Good day, my friends, and welcome to another moment, a Black History Moment with Bo. And I forgot to say that I could hardly sleep last night. As a matter of fact, I woke up hours early thinking about today's show. And along with wishing you well and hoping that you have a great day, I am going to jump into this today. And you know why? It's because the monarch has a new king that's going to be sworn in today. I have a lot of English friends that has treated me well throughout the years. And I just want them to know, please don't confuse my black pride for white hate because I love you just as much as I love my black friends. But to try to liberate the minds of my people, I have to tell them the truth about yours. Truth that you dislike as much as I do, but it is what it is. And we have to stop sweeping it under the rug because it goes nowhere. Like I've said before, three things you can take to the bank for being everlasting is the sun, the moon, and truth. Because we were all humans until race disconnected us, religion separated us, and politics divided us, and wealth classified us. So if you do not have knowledge of self, you will end up living the illusions that others have created for you. And my friends, that is the earth-shaking truth. So let's slip into darkness now and bring out some more truth about this monarchy. You know, the passing of Queen Elizabeth II sparked mixed feelings in millions of people worldwide. And some black people commented on her passing while at the same time expressing their condolences and honoring the legacy of the crown. And many others took her passing as an opportunity to critique the violent colonial legacy of the British crown. Nigerian-American professor Aju Anna took to the social media to convey his feelings of disgust toward the queen with comments like, I only wish my hatred had the effect on her that her monarchy had on my people. Black people's ambivalent feelings toward the British monarchy are not new by a long shot. And the Queen's death only reignited conversations about the role the British monarchy played in the unjust treatment toward millions of black people. In 1965, during the Civil Rights Movement, African-American journalist Charles Sanders traveled to Britain to gain insight into racial issues and connections between African-Americans and black Britons. And what did he find out? He found out that Britain also suffered with racial discrimination and segregation. And he just happened to speak to two Jamaican men who provided deeper understanding of black experiences in and perceptions of Britain. Philosopher Franz Fanon articulated the way colonization fostered racist ideas through colonial education of its colonized subjects. And the thing about it is, During World War II, thousands of black people from Caribbean colonies 
relocated to Britain, eager to protect the king and the empire. And that's because they viewed themselves as not only Caribbean peoples, but also British subjects, which led to many joining the military and fighting for the crown with pride. One of Sanders' Jamaican acquaintances communicated, England give me gun and soldier clothes. I tell you, man, that day they give me that, I would have killed 10 black men to save one white man's life. All my life they teach me in Jamaica that England, my motherland, they say England's king, my king, England's queen, my queen. I believe that, man. The World War II vet's statement demonstrates the role colonization played in spreading British nationalism. Jamaica, man, I thought she just a piece of England broke loose and floated out to sea. He went on to say, Although black people gave their lives to defend Britain during the war, this did not lead to a racial utopia as racial discrimination continued. Many black soldiers, like that Jamaican vet, remained in Britain after the war. And after the war, Britain experienced a period of rapid migration as an influx of Caribbean people relocated to the country. But that didn't make any difference because despite the growing black population and black people's contributions during World War II, many like that Jamaican vet soon realized neither their presence nor sacrifices altered their social status due to the color of their damn skin. And mistreatment and discrimination against black persons by the British government led to a shift in the Jamaican vet's perspective about the motherland. Now I find out what they teach me not true, he explained. I don't stand no more, and I keep my hands in my pockets when they sing and raise the flag. For me now, I know the damn Englishman, he bastard. Yes, he don't want me here, but I don't leave. I stay and fight him, man. If he make me fight, I kill him like maybe I kill 10 black men for him long time ago. Cutting his enduring ties to Britain and its monarchy, the man conveyed a shift in ideologies. Formerly willing to kill for the English mind, he now sought to combat miseducation and oppression that remained in Britain by fighting his oppressors. Oppression, discrimination, and miseducation caused by white supremacy linked the struggles of black people throughout. And this Jamaican man acknowledged this struggle through his departing words. You black man, I black man. You tell black man in states how things with us here. You tell them real facts, man. The Jamaican vet conveyed black unity by identifying a shared experience and solidarity with African-Americans and black Britons. Furthermore, his conversation also displayed the role colonization played in developing veils of delusion through the practice of miseducation, while simultaneously demonstrating how discrimination led to a shifting consciousness of colonized subjects.
But you know, my friends, whether condemnation or support of Britain, Queen Elizabeth's death has led to old conversations and shifting ideas about the effects of colonization throughout Africa. Her death brought to the forefront conversations about the rule the British monarchy played in the lives of millions of black people worldwide. Engaging in these conversations and shifting consciousness must endure. It's a particular sensation to live in a nation plunged into mourning when you cannot comprehend the feeling of loss. While the news of Queen Elizabeth's death sparked concern, sadness, and even panic in many of my white colleagues at work last week, I looked on almost bemused because I am not alone in this feeling of detachment. Most of my black family and friends here feel the same way. Yes, it is sad when anyone dies, but none of us knew the queen. She was not a family member, friend, or even acquaintance. She was an image, a figment of the nation's collective imagination that we were told we must adore. This, my friends, was the comment of a younger generation woman in Birmingham, England. She also stated, for the children of the British Empire, those of us who were born here and those of us who were born in the 15 nations of the Commonwealth, the Queen is the number one symbol of white supremacy. She may have been seen as an institution, but for us, she was manifestation of the institutional racism that we have to encounter on a daily basis. Now, that's tough. To be black in Britain also means grappling with a double consciousness. The only real difference between black Brits and black Americans is that Britain offshored its racist violence to the colonies. So Britain had this mirage belief that the nation did not have the same racial problems as the U.S., which enslaved millions of Africans within its own borders. But you cannot detach Britain from its empire. The colonies was just as, if not more, important to making the nation great as anything that took place on these shores. Gold, tobacco, sugar, and cotton were the engines of the British industrial development, all supplied by slave labor in the Caribbean and Americas. It was Queen Elizabeth I that launched British slave trade. The Royal African Company was responsible for enslaving more Africans than any other. And that's because the Britain's African colonies were essential for the mineral wealth needed to build modern Britain and India. They were the jewel in the crown of the empire where more than $9 trillion was looted from India alone. Now, Queen Elizabeth the second may have been on the crown to witness the dismantling of the empire, but she was also monarch for the brutal subjection of the Mau Mau rebellion in Kenya in the 50s, which Britain recently paid out almost 20 million in compensation to the victims. She was also the queen when the British supported the Nigerian suppression of the Biafran separatists 
that led to a million children starving to death in the late 60s. This woman said her grandmother was born in colonial Jamaica in 1914 and was raised on the fairy tales of the mother country and the nobility of British royalty. And she migrated to Britain in search of better opportunities in the mid-60s as part of the so-called Winbush generation who helped to rebuild the nation after the Second World War. Picture of the queen had pride in a place in her front room, and were she alive today, she would have wholeheartedly joined in the collective grief. But my father grew up in the 1960s, facing the cold reality of British racism, and could never feel any warmth for either the nation or its figurehead. When he was 13, he followed my grandmother to the UK. It wasn't the warmest of welcomes. He had to share a small row house with four other families who each occupied one of the rooms. This kind of overcrowding was commonplace as black people were forced into the inner cities and denied decent housing. He witnessed and experienced so much police brutality and harassment that he eventually became a public defender to provide some legal protection to those caught up in the system. Prior to this, he was a part of the British Black Panther movement, protesting and organizing black-led education, housing, and advice initiatives to help black communities survive our harsh realities. She went on to say, for her parents, the queen came to symbolize the racist ills of the country. Their generation was hounded in the streets by fascists who would shout racial slurs and inflict violent assaults if they caught up with them. It is no coincidence that these fascists bathed themselves in the British flag and pledged unflinching allegiance to the queen. To this day, if a pub is flying a British flag outside, I will not go inside. Suffice to say, I can't even imagine my father who moved back to Jamaica when he retired, owning a picture of the queen. You see, my friends, not everybody in Britain thinks Britain is that great. Although the English people have an air about them, that many think is snobbish because they seem to come on as better. And I can't understand that because the Queen's early years on the throne saw Britain lose its colonial empire in Africa because at one time the United Kingdom controlled at least 17 countries in Africa and British rule is still associated with conflicts forceful extraction of natural resources, and land grabs. She is the last monarch who has any connection with colonialism. As long as people talk about colonialism in Africa, there is no choice but to see her in that context as the last monarch. She had direct colonial experience and saw the transition from colonialism to independence. But in 2020, the royal family's silence over the Black Lives Matter movement did not go unnoticed. And Prince Harry said racism was the large part 
of why the couple left the United Kingdom. They claim a member of the royal family raised concern over how dark Archie's skin would be before he was born. And Marco said her treatment in the tabloids compared to that of Kate Middleton was racist. But Prince William said that we're very much not a racist family. The royals have always been accused of turning a blind eye, and in some instances, even enabling racism since the early years of the monarchy. Let us not forget that Queen Elizabeth I was connected to Britain's slave trade in the 1500s. The monarchy publicly supported Captain John Hawkins, who captured 300 Africans and exchanged them for hides, ginger, and sugar in 1562. And now the late Queen Elizabeth II never publicly acknowledged her ancestors' actions before her death. The British Empire has not been solely responsible for the creation of the world in the image of white supremacy, but it has undoubtedly been one of the main protagonists. The result is a world where children in former colonies die by the second because of lack of access to food and clean water. Nine million people die every year from hunger in a world that produces an excess of food. Millions of black and brown people die from preventable diseases like tuberculosis, which claims 1.5 million lives annually. My friends, it is simply absurd to imagine that decolonization led to the end of Western imperial domination. We may have moved beyond the age of genocidal violence, but the scale of death caused by a racist economic order is in itself a crime against humanity. The Queen was a bridge between the old and the new editions of Western Empire building, with her reign beginning when the British Empire was still intact and ending with most of the colonies having a measure of independence. Rather than representing a beacon of change, Queen Elizabeth was the figurehead for what Malcolm X called benevolent colonialism, a system of racial colonial exploitation that pretends to be offering a helping hand to the very people it continues to oppress. With her reign now over, it is the perfect moment to question not only the role of the monarchy in perpetuating white supremacy, but how to upend the unjust economic order that gave the British crown its power and fuels it to this very day. There you have it, my friends. Words of Black Britons about the monarchy. You can believe what you want to believe, but we all know the truth. We know who financed the slave ships. We know the difference between Bahamians, Jamaicans, Trinidadians, and African-Americans is only a boat stop. Places where souls were traded for supplies. And that music tells me that it is time for me to go. 
But before I go, you know I have a message for you. And here it is. You are on a journey to take back your stolen truths. It's your road and yours alone. Others may walk it with you, but no one can walk it for you. Until next time, my friends, have a great day. And it has been my honor.